Hey everyone, it's Taylor and Brendan from Blue and Gold Make Darlene. They tell you about the Hockey Podcast Network. Goddamn right we are. You know, there's an entire network. It's not just Blue and Gold Make Darlene. There's 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. From terrible, horrible teams like the Boston Bruins to some of the best teams in the league like the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. And with that being said, if it's a terrible team or if it's a great team, no matter what, you are able to get two episodes a week from all of the hosts. New episodes come out every Monday and Thursday with new content covering everything from the latest that's going on with everyone's respective teams all the way through to doing more fun things like the many trivia games that Taylor and I have on our show. That's right. Hot content, hot takes, hot hosts. Hot hosts. You got it everywhere. Uh, and you you can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, if you're one of those weirdos like me that uses Stitcher. You use even, Stitcher? I do. Strange. I think I'm the only one who does. Okay. And even at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com if you're looking for some more info. There's a whole website that's that you right. could go check hey, out. Maybe it's getting to that point of the season where you're getting sick of the Sabres. I know some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this again. West Coast uh, trip is about to be tough. Maybe you want to check in on some of your other favorite teams if you're one of those kind of guys. Absolutely. Well, they're all available and they're all easy to find. Gosh darn right. So be sure to check out the Hockey Podcast Network once again at their website at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And be sure to follow on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a very special episode of Blue and Gold Make Darlene. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And we have a very, very special episode today, as I mentioned before. Uh, For the first time, we are hosting a former Buffalo Sabre on the podcast. We have a very exciting interview coming up with you today with a, a special guest that we'll be sharing in just a moment here. But before we get to that, we have a quick ad read for you all. Yeah, let's, let's hear a little bit from our uh, friends at Manscaped. So this episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Brendan, in these quarantine times, it's easy to overlook some basic grooming. Showers are less frequent, deodorant becomes optional, your man parts, well, be honest, it's sort of a mess down there right now. Maybe it's time to start cleaning it up. If you're like me, it can be tough to keep a steady hand working with a razor in such a sensitive reason. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous game. But Manscapes redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent the past 18 months. That's, that's like the entire time Phil Housley was a Sabres coach. You guys are getting to know us right now. Perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, they say. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. They sent it to me, and wow, it's incredible. I mean, it features cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents, which... We all hate those. No more cuts or nicks. It's easy to use. It's safe. It's so much faster and easier uh, and safer than standard razor. So get the job done quicker, better, and safer. Uh, one of the coolest things, there's an LED light that illuminates the grooming area for a closer and more precise trimming. That can be helpful. Showers can be dark. Uh, battery lasts 90 minutes. And there's a USB-powered charging dock included. So the thing is with this, too, the product's brand new. Almost no one's used it so far. And I want, you know, all you listeners to be among the first, if you're into that, and also if you're a man, I guess. Not all listeners, I suppose. Go to manscaped.com, type in the code THPN to get 20% off and free shipping. That's promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your little friends will thank you. 
All right, everybody. So let's let's just jump right into this. Uh, we are extremely excited to welcome uh, to the podcast Doug Bodger, uh, of course, from the '90 Sabers teams. He is the fourth leading uh, defenseman in scoring in Buffalo Sabers history with 54 goals, 233 assists, and 287 points in 479 games with the team. He was with the Sabres for eight years from 88 to eight, from the 88-89 season through the 95-96 season. Uh, he played in the NHL from 84-85 through the 99-2000 season. Um, so, of course, his longest tenure was with the Sabres. And we are very excited to welcome Doug to the podcast. Doug, welcome. How are you today? Really good, really good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, we're, we're very excited to, uh, to have you on. Um, so just to start off here, you know, your, your current gig right now, you're an assistant coach with the Victoria Royals. Uh, obviously, you know, the season kind of came to a standstill there, but uh, just wanted to check in there. How's everything been with the Royals? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm out here on the West Coast uh, where I'm originally from and uh, just uh, been doing this for three years now on the, with the Victoria Royals junior team. And um, yeah, we were uh, doing pretty good. Uh, we've got a great coaching staff, uh, great organization, uh, you know, re- really uh, treat the guys better than I remember in junior. I tell you, we went to the Kenya a couple of times. I remember McDonald's and pizza, but uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's been fun. I'm back in the game again. I took some time off and uh, got to get behind the bench and it's pretty great, great to be right there back in the action again. And uh we were second last year in the division and made it to the second round of playoffs. And we were second this year in the division. It looked like a big battle with Vancouver and obviously everything halted. So that was that. Excellent. Yeah. So starting kind of at the beginning uh, of your career, uh, so you were drafted by the Penguins ninth overall in the same draft where they took Mario Lemieux first. So what was that like uh, to go from, you know, juniors to, to the NHL with, you know, with someone who had as much hype behind him as Mario and uh, someone who ended up being, you know, as special a player as he was. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, I, I had no idea I was going to Pittsburgh. I interviewed with Detroit and they were told me they were 90% sure they were going to take me. So when Detroit came up and they took Sean Burr, I kind of went, whoa, now what's going to happen? And, and uh, we obviously, Mario was picked first and then it came to Pittsburgh and I got selected and I just went, okay, that's great. And I didn't really care where I went as long as I was in the league. And it, it was, um, of course, I had a couple of good years in junior. I was still young and, and they were going to rebuild. And um, really nobody cared about me because they were all focused on Mario. So I just kind of slid in there and uh, just played my game. And the coach called me in one day and he says, we're keeping you because we got nobody else. So uh, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so going off of that, I mean, you know, I, I'm just curious then you were, so you're with the Penguins for the better part of five seasons before coming over to the Sabres. Um, you know, I mean, just for one, like, what was that transition like, you know, when you went from Pittsburgh to Buffalo uh, before in the 88-89 season? It was tough, you know, I've never been traded before. So I made a lot of good friends on Pittsburgh and I was more upset about losing my friends than, uh, being traded, I really didn't didn't matter to me where I played, but uh, it was really tough. I was pretty young still, and uh, it was a bit of a shock. I didn't see it coming, and uh, um, yeah, it's, so uh, everything works out. And, and uh, you know, I ended up getting into Buffalo and spent eight years there. Both my kids were born there, so uh, uh, yeah, spent a lot of time, met some great people there, and um, it was it was part of my life for you know eight years. So 
that that time when you arrive in Buffalo around 88, it's it's kind of not a lost time, but it's not an often discussed time in, in Buffalo Sabres history. It's it's after Perot is gone after the French connection, but it's before really before the hash of gears and before Lafontaine and McGillney really got good. So what, but they were still a playoff team pretty consistently. So what, what did you feel the say to the Sabres was when you got traded? Did, I mean, I guess, how did you think of the franchise? Did you think this is a good franchise I'm going to, or, or what was your thought process there? I wasn't really sure. Like you just don't know, right? Yeah. We come from one franchise to another, you go, is it the same thing? And, and they're pretty much worse similar. I was, wasn't sure what to expect of being traded the first time, but, um, Ted Sater was the coach back then, I remember, and Barry Smith was the assistant. Um, some great players. Well, I ended up with playing with Phil Housley, who was an unbelievable defenseman. We were partners. And, you know, Dave Anerchuk and uh, Adam Creighton, Johnny Tucker. Had some good teams, and it seemed to um, – uh, once Ted Sater got let go there and Rick Dudley came in, the team changed quite a bit, and a lot of different players came in. A lot of different players went in and out, and uh, – they really wanted to rebuild the team, and I think the Knoxes really wanted to, to win, and they spent no expenses, uh, you know, to get a good team, and we, we ended up getting a – by 93, we were one of the best teams in the league, and uh, we finished third overall, I think, in the league one year. And Boston and Montreal were first and second. So uh, – and we're all in the same division, so you got to play each other, which is, which is crazy, but – uh, but if you can see that the, the changes were coming and they really wanted to make this uh, a great team. It was great to be part of. Yeah, so, I'm glad you brought 93 there because I think they made the playoffs every year you were in Buffalo, but it wasn't until 93 that they got – because kind of got over the hump of one series, obviously in terrible fashion. Um, so but what was it like that year uh, with playing on the team and all of a sudden uh, McGillney scored 76 goals, LaFontaine is 148 points, all of a sudden – you're one of the highest scoring teams in the league. And it's also your most productive season of your career too, for what it's worth with 54 points in 81 games. Yeah, it was, there, it was a great team. You know, um, unfortunately, well, like I said, every playoff round, we got swept in the first round by either Boston or Montreal. So we, we hadn't made it to the second round. And then of course the Mayday goal who beat, beat Boston and ended up going on to play Montreal again. And, uh, you know, it was a tough series there. We'd lost LaFontaine. Uh, he, he still played with a bad knee. We knew he was hurt. Mogilny, I think, broke his ankle or fractured his ankle. So he wasn't even playing with us that, at that time. So, And I think they, were, they got three overtime games on us or two overtimes. It was, every game was 4-3. So, and then they won the cup that year. So that was our chance. And, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. And, uh, you know, Grant Fuhrer was the starter. And Hasek was the backup. So we had some – unbelievable players we had a great team and this this was the chance and uh, just didn't work out yeah I I saw you quoted recently I think in the Buffalo News about how you feel you guys should have beaten Montreal that year and obviously as you just mentioned Montreal ended up winning the cup so what do you think that Sabres team's uh, potential ceiling was oh I think it was pretty high I, I believe we would have went we would have kept going for sure uh, um, if everybody was healthy I think we had a legitimate shot at it. We had a great team. Our power play was was unbelievable. Uh, we we dominated in that area. We had great goaltending. Uh, our depth was great. We had great you know penalty killers. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's special to be on that team. You look at you know Lafontaine, Andrichuk, you know uh, Howard Chuck, you know some great players that played with there and and. Uh, I believe that – I think somebody said – I heard 
Montreal said their toughest series was against us, and they were really lucky to get past us. So, uh, and you never forget that over uh, overtime goal that I think Kirk Muller scored or somebody scored and to, to knock us out, and that was pretty tough. Yeah, and obviously you guys come back the next year uh, and have an even better record, even more points in, in 93-94, but another really tough uh, series you have there with New Jersey. And obviously that's the first year Hashik, I think he won his first, Vesna became the starter, and it's kind of a classic duel with him and Brodeur there in the first round. Uh, so that's obviously the series two with the the four overtime game. Right. Uh, what what was that game kind of like? What was, what was it like playing there in, in such a long game and such a game that – People remember so much after all these years. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you look and you say you finally they change the playoff format. We end up with New Jersey. Great, another Stanley Cup team. <laughs> and then it was Philly. So we really didn't. It was no easy easy playoff rounds for us. It seemed like every year we're going, oh no, who we got these guys? Like, when can we get somebody to bottom feeders? But uh, I, of course, you never forget that game, Dave Hannon's goal, and uh, in the fourth overtime. Uh, um, you know, Dom had 72 shots on goal. And I said to Dom, I said, Dom, that's unbelievable. 72 shots, no goals. He goes, oh, it's no problem. In practice, 100 shots. <laughs> that's Dom's It was pretty funny. But we were laughing at the fourth overtime period. I remember Randy Moeller going, I don't have enough money to pay the babysitter tonight. <laughs> guys wanted to, can you get us a hot dog? We're starving. <laughs> and so it was, it was unbelievable. Like, of course, Claude Lemieux was shooting from center ice to get the shot total up, but uh, that's what he did. But it was uh, it was a battle, and and uh, you know, two great goaltenders, you know, going at it. It was it was a special part to be on. So, Doug, one question that I I have for you, you know, as we're going through and talking about you know the the list of guys who you've played with, it's a pretty incredible list of players. Um, you know, between, of course, as we mentioned, Mario Lemieux, Pat LaFontaine, Alexander Mogilny, Dom Hasek, you know, Dave Anderchuk. So, I mean, I'm just curious from you, uh, from your perspective, you know, is there a guy that, um, you know, really stood out uh, more, than the, more than the rest, uh, you know, among your playing career that you really felt as though was the best player that you had ever played with? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Uh, so many guys were good players but did different things, I think. You know, of course, Mario was – we were in awe, like with the things he did, we just went, wow. And I remember first uh, couple of years, uh, the veteran guys, I always listened that they weren't too happy with him because he didn't back check. He didn't want to back check. And then when he went to the Canada cup and played with Gretzky and Messier and those guys, he came back a different person. He was on a mission and he was unreal. He just wow. flicked the switch and uh, he learned how to play from those guys. And, uh, and then, you know, I obviously get traded, but, um, Going into Buffalo, Dave Anderchuk, what a player, like big guy in front of the neck and score goals, great hands, couldn't skate with a lick, but um, <laughs> yeah, but a great player. Uh, LaFontaine, you know, obviously, um, you know, great, great hands. You know, Alex McGillney just scored 76 goals. And I, think, I don't think he was trying half the time. I think he just, it was just so natural for him. He was <laughs> such a gifted player. When he wanted to play, it was scary. And, and, you know, Phil Housley was my first partner, and, and he ended up getting traded for Dale Howarchuk. And I feel Dale Howarchuk was one of the most underrated players in the history of the league that I played with. He was so good, and he loved to play. And he was his eyes were as wide as saucers and uh, uh, just loved being out there and, uh, and, and, and was so talented and could see the game so well. 
Um, yeah, and then goaltendings, you know, you know, Hasek and, and Grant Fuhrer and, and uh, you know, all those guys. So, yeah, it's, it was pretty special when you look back now at all those players and you go, wow, there's some gifted guys to be on the ice with. I remember one power play. It, it was uh, Andrew Chuck, LaFontaine, Mogilny, Howard Chuck, and me at the back. And I'm running the show as the point man back there. And I'm looking around. I'm going, hang on. I'm the lowest paid guy in this power play now, and I'm running the show. What's going on here? <laughs> but it was, you know, we were we were so dominant. John Tortorella was our assistant coach. He ran our power play. And I heard a quote from him a few years ago saying that was the best power play he's ever seen in his career. So it was pretty special beyond that. You also, if I'm not mistaken, played with, with Mark Messier in Vancouver and Alexander Mogilny in the same season. Am I correct in that? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I only played 15 games that year, and then I retired. But uh, I started out in Vancouver at the end, and I was going to pack it in. And then Vancouver called and wanted to sign me, and it's you know close to here where I live. And and I went, but I just I just wasn't uh, into it anymore, and it was sad. But that's the way it goes when when your heart's out of the game, you can't play. And I ended up packing it in after that. But Mark Messier was a great leader. Wow, really powerful, powerful guy. Like when his focus was on, it was, it was scary. Like you knew, you knew, you knew, you knew in his eyes that uh, he was serious about playing and Mark was on, but uh, yeah. And then uh, Alex was there too at the time. And uh, Alex was pretty much, uh, no, when Alex was said, when Alex wanted to play, he was really good, but <laughs> at times he really didn't care too much, but <laughs> that's Alex. <laughs> so there's been some talk on, on Twitter recently. I noticed about, uh, Mario and what could have been if he didn't have so many injuries and some people kind of putting him ahead of Gretzky as an overall player at their peaks uh, just because of how big and strong he was and to di- in addition to having such speed and such great hands where do you kind of come down on that do you think he, he has a like an argument as the best player of all time oh for sure I get this question a lot well who do you think was the best player and um, I guess the only answer I have to that was um I think Mario could do it by himself. Uh, he had that ability to beat guys one-on-one, you know, score goals by himself. Um, obviously, the guys around him scored goals that nobody heard of before. Uh, but uh, Gretzky, had he needed his three or four guys with him, I think, to make him good. Like Curry was on one side. There's Coffee coming from the back end. Not that he wasn't a great player, but, you know, Gretzky's probably the smartest guy out there. But uh, Mario had the ability to – do a lot of that himself without his teammates. So uh, um, obviously when, when he got good players around him, they, you know, had some success, but uh, you know, he, you know, it was a guy like Warren Young. He was a career minor leaguer, scored 40 goals with him on his wing one year. And Doug Shedden scored 50 and Rob Brown 49. So uh, wow. he, he obviously made everybody else a lot better, but uh, I, I, I think his talent wise and his vision was so good. He's, he just saw the game in, in his head. And I remember a penalty shot he had once on Kelly Rudy. And, uh, you know, there wasn't many penalty shots back then, right? And uh, he had, he'd come by the bench and he'd say, hey, bet, any bets, guys? Any bets? And I went, yeah, I think you're going to score. And he had, his, he had his particular move. He'd go in to show his forehand and, you know, shelf at top corner. He was a right-hander. He went in and he, he did that move and then slid it between Kelly Rudy's legs. And I said, you were going glove side, weren't you? He goes, yeah, but he took it away. So I went to the backhand between his legs. And I went, how do you think that fast <laughs> at that moment? It's wow. incredible the way his mind worked. 
And, you know, I, I think the argument there that you just made in terms of like Mario versus Gretzky can also in, in a way kind of be made with regards to like Dominic Hasek versus like a Martin Brodeur or a Patrick Waugh in the sense that, uh, you know, the Brodeur and Waugh especially were, you know, playing behind great teams, like legitimately great teams. And obviously not to say that that wasn't the case with, with Dom, but it just seemed as though Hasek kind of had that ability to just single-handedly just determine the outcome of a game in a similar way that you're talking about Mario Lemieux. So, I mean, would you mind like going into talking about like, you know, what it was like playing with Hasek and I guess your thoughts on, you know, where he ranks among the greatest goalies of all time. Oh, sure. Great. Yeah. I got some great stories about Don for you. I tell you that. <laughs> Lay it on us. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you mentioned Wah and Brodeur, all, all different styles. And Dom, obviously, another different style. And when he came in, people were going, what's with, with this guy? You know, his famous move of on a, on a breakaway, he'd go and charge at a guy and knock his feet out from under him. And I'm going, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> we can't beat you in practice. And you charge a guy. Go, he had his head down. i just go charge him. I go, there's no way he's going to score on you. He was so good on breakaways. And I'm going, what are you doing? Uh, you're going to hurt somebody in yourself. <laughs> Oh, it's no problem, he said, but his he saw what the next play was going to be, and I think that's what made him so good was he always looked to, to what was happening next for him. If there was a play in the slot, he was ready for it. Uh, um, su- such a focused guy, hard worker in practice, and uh, you know, we couldn't score. And there was one time in San Jose, I said, we're not, we're not leaving until we score on Dawn from the point. And we kept shooting. It was a pregame skate. And we kept shooting. And he kept saving it. kept saving it. And I go, Jesus, we can't beat this guy. <laughs> Finally, everybody's off the ice. And Schmelich shoots one. And he lets it in. And I go, you let that in, didn't you? Well, it's getting long. He says, you guys are never going to score on me. <laughs> and one time he was, uh, he, was, he was struggling a bit. And Mitch Korn was our goalie coach. And he come up to me and he said, I want you to shoot the puck right between my eyes. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, hit me right between the eyes with your puck. And I went, what's he, what's he saying? Like I said to Mitch, I go, I'm going to hit, want me to hit him in the head? He goes, yeah, I think he just wants to follow with his eyes. So I said, okay, I can do that. So I wound up my first shot. I nailed him right between the eyes. And he come up and said, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, wow, okay. Nobody's thanked me for hitting him in the head before. But <laughs> <laughs> he was a different guy, but boy, could he play. Oh, man, that is great. Yeah. So, so another – going off uh, kind of what you talked about with Mario, another guy that – another great player you played with that uh, had some injury troubles was Pat LaFontaine and uh, obviously has the the highest scoring season in Sabres history there in 93. But the few seasons after that, he was kind of in and out of the lineup with different concussion issues and other issues like that. Uh, do you think that kind of affected uh, what – maybe some potential success. I know in 90, 94, obviously they're one of the better teams in the league, even without in playing uh, that many games. And then you guys are still in the playoffs in 95 and with Hashik rolling the way he was in those seasons, do you think with a healthy LaFontaine, maybe you guys could make a little bit more noise in the playoffs in those years? Oh, for sure. I, I think with Patty being out quite a bit there, I'm positive he was playing hurt quite a few times. His knee was bothering him one time, then he had the concussion. I remember him getting hit in the jaw. He used to he wore that little white um, helmet thing the one time there, and he broke his jaw the one time. Yeah, it was unfortunate that uh, you know Patty. He, he played so hard. You know, he, he he wasn't afraid. He wasn't the biggest guy, 
he was stocky but uh, and fast, but uh, he was not never afraid to get in front of the net and or or get into traffic. Uh, he was not a perimeter guy for sure. And obviously, uh, you know he 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 paid the price obviously for that. But uh, um, great competitor, uh, terrific guy. Um, loved to play the game. Um, I'm honored to play with him, and uh, um, he really saw the game and 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 say his work ethic was there all the time, and he wanted to win real bad. And uh, he learned a bit of that from playing with the New York Islanders. Obviously, we traded him for Turgeon, and and uh, was a great trade for both sides. And and uh, Patty was uh, was great for Buffalo, and uh, you know you know with him and Alex playing together was a great great duo that uh, racked up a lot of points and scared a lot of teams. So let's, uh, I mean, if you are, if it's all right with you, let's jump ahead to uh, a little bit with the, the present day team. So you were recently at 90s night. Um, so would you like to talk about that experience and what it was like to, you know, get reconnected with the franchise? Yeah, sure. You know, I was coaching, so I wasn't going to come. And, and, the, and the guy running the franchise says, we're not inviting you to the 100th year, so you better come to the 50th. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's pretty funny. I'm probably going to be out for that. <laughs> So I, I decided to come, and uh, I'm really glad I did. Um, you know, I haven't seen guys in years. Uh, you know, see Malarchuk, and uh, you know, Grant Ledyard was a roommate of mine for years, and uh, you know, Davey Hannon, and and uh, Donald Obdet, and then Pierre Turgeon was there. I've seen Pierre in wow, a long time. So uh, I'm really glad I went. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to see everybody again. Just get caught up and. And I'm all west here, so quite a ways away, so I uh, don't get to see guys as much anymore. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was really good to see Clint and make sure he was doing okay. And, and uh, of course, we all remember that time. And, of course. And uh, um, he sounds like he's got his stuff together, and uh, he's, he's doing real well, and uh, it's good to see. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was real fun. It was, it was, we were Miss Howard Chuck, obviously. He's, He's suffering right now with uh, stomach cancer, and we're, we will hope the best for him. And hopefully he uh, fights that. I know he will. He's a tough guy and a great competitor, and he'll get through this. But uh, we, Dave Hannon has jersey there, and he, uh, we wished him all well. And, and uh, yeah, it was great. Great seeing everybody. And Brad May and Rob Ray and uh, Barnaby. Barnaby and Ray still going at it after all these years. Doesn't change. Pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, really enjoyed the time there. It was short, but uh, my son got to fly in from Minnesota, so uh, he got to hang with us, and they remember him as just a little guy, so it was pretty pretty, pretty special to have him there too. Nice, yeah. So with, uh, with the, the team these days, obviously it's not as, not as successful as when you were here in the late 80s, early 90s. It's with this uh, – end of the season uh, coronavirus thing kind of cutting off the season. It'll be the ninth year in a row. The Sabres missed the playoffs. So do you have any kind of, uh, I don't know, any, if you were talking to some young guys on this team, do you have any advice you'd give them about, you know, potentially turning things around in the future? Yeah. Tough one there. They always started, they started so good the last two seasons and they yeah. started uh, the year before was they had a great start and they were right up there and, and Phil Housie was coaching and they thought, wow, this is a chance for them to get in. And then they just died off again. And, and then this year they started great again too with a new coach. And I thought, you know, this was, this was going to happen, but I guess the best thing you can, best advice you can get is it's a long season. You got to stay consistent. That's how, that's how you make it. And it's a tough league now. There's a lot of good teams and it's not like there's a terrible team. You're guaranteed win every, every day is a battle. So 
consistency is the big thing you have to be nowadays. If you go on a losing streak, you're done. You're not going to get it back. So um, you got to got to get rid of those losses. And once you lose one, you got to fight right back and, and, and win the next one. There's, those losing streaks are really tough nowadays to, to go through. Otherwise, say you're going to be done. And, you know, obviously with that game, you were able to, uh, of course, att- attend and watch, you know, and while we're talking about you and your, your productive career as a, a high-scoring defenseman, you know, we uh, also have, have a young up-and-coming uh, high-scoring defenseman that we're, we're pretty excited about right now in Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, and I'm just curious, you know, in your thoughts, for your thoughts about his game, um, you know, and if you think that really like the, the mass hype that's been surrounding him since he's, you know, came into the league is really worth it. Yeah, obviously I, I'd heard, um, um, from people over in Europe saying this guy's unbelievable. I never got to watch him play when he was younger, but, um, we heard the rumors, this guy was coming. He's going to be first overall pick and, and, uh, and, uh, to see him play and um, what the numbers he put up and obviously as an 18 year old is, is pretty incredible. Um, yeah, we all saw that stat come in and, and, uh, yeah, I haven't seen him much this year at all, but, uh, um, obviously you, you don't come in the league at 18 nowadays and, and, uh, not be a great player. So, um, I think the future is pretty bright for this kid. He looks like he's got it all. He's skilled. He can play offense. He can play defense. Um, um, consistency. That's again, one of the things he needs to, needs to learn and, as an 18 year old, I, I was the same way, right? I had to learn how to play defense and you had to learn how to uh, limit your mistakes. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's sometimes it's mentally is the hardest part of the whole thing is to stay focused and stay level. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. You just gotta, you know, stay with it and forget about the bad ones and, and uh, you know, play, play positive off the good ones. And uh, um, yeah, so it looks like he's got a pretty good future here and hopefully, um, um, he can stay a saber for a while and lead that team, you know, into the playoffs. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I just wanted to t- ask about one other guy you played with that you mentioned earlier as well, Dave Andertruck. Uh, we were talking a couple months ago on this podcast about how he's, he's actually the second highest scoring saber of all time, even though he was traded, I think before he was 30 or right around when he was 30. So given that and, you know, given how successful he's been overall in his career, do you think he's maybe a candidate to have his jersey retired at some point? Well, definitely. I think that should happen. You know, he's a, he's a hall of famer um, playing with the guy. I love the guy. <laughs> he, he's a big moose stood in front of the net. And, you know, he said, just shoot between my legs and he'd get in there. Uh, he didn't sharpen his skates because he was on a, a streak. So don't touch my skates rip. <laughs> he had no edge on him half the time <laughs> his stick was broken he said i'm hot with this one uh, just a beauty of a guy like uh uh it was uh it was an honor being with him and man he was big and he could score and and uh i was upset he wasn't in the hall of fame and i'm so glad that he did get it um losing him was tough we got grant Fuhrer, so uh uh you know that was uh that, that was uh, obviously a trade-off, but uh, that's what it was. Um, and for him to raise that Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay was one of the best things I ever saw. I haven't talked to him since probably, but I tried to message him, and I said, you know, that's one of the best things I've ever seen, you holding that Stanley Cup. And, and he, he was a fun guy. Uh, 
<laughs> he did a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> he always said he wanted to be, after his career retired in Buffalo, he wanted to be a snowplow driver and clean people's driveways <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> Dave, Dave was a little cheap, though. It's, it's his Ukrainian coming out in him. He used to grab a chicken for a pregame meal and put it outside of his window of his hotel and in case he was hungry and when he got home after the game, he'd out for the chicken. Oh my God. <laughs> he was a classic. He was a classic no-nonsense grinder guy and I uh, loved playing with that guy. Uh, I ended up getting to play with him in New Jersey, so uh, that, was, that, was, that was another great uh, time. I said, how did I end up here? He goes, well, I got here. I got here. I told him he should get here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a great being back with him again. A lot of fun. Quite the guy. Um, ended up meeting up with him one time. I was playing an old-timers game in Calgary, and he was in town for Tampa, and he said, you got to meet these young kids, uh, St. Louis and Le Cavalier. They're really good kids. I got them under my wing. We're gonna, I'm going to take them to the cup. And he did. So uh, they learned from Dave, which was a, he's a great leader. And, uh, um, you know, I think Torch was coaching then. So Andy was the captain. He said, Torch, don't worry about these guys. I got them. I got them. Uh, I'll, I'll get them to win. So, uh that's the kind of leader he was. So uh, great guy, super guy. I got lots of stories about him. We don't have enough time, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sure hope they retire his jersey. They do. I'm coming for that one too. Awesome. Very um, nice. Yeah. An- another uh, guy you played with. Uh, people talk about the Hall of Fame sometimes is Alexander McGillney. Uh, obviously, the, the 76 goal season and. 400 plus goals and kind of also important in being one of the first guys to defect from, from what was the Soviet union uh, and come to the NHL. So do you think he should be in the hall of fame? Oh, for sure. Alex was a great player. Uh, you know, you don't score 76 goals by fluke. That's for sure. It was just Alex's desire to, to, to play. And uh, sometimes I don't think he enjoyed the game as much. He hated the spotlight. He hated the press. He just said, I don't speak English and he spoke English very well. So uh, um, he, he had that trick, but uh, when, when he wanted to play, he was, he was good. He was so good. And at times he just didn't want to play. And uh, that, was, that, was, that was his choice and that's the way he was. He was a very private guy, but uh, uh, you know, uh, super talented. Uh, he learned from watching the Igor Larionovs, Sergei Makarovs. That's a guy he grew up watching. So he always had the backhand between the legs and that was uh, Larionovs or Makarov's move. I can't remember one of the two, but he always said that was their move and he, he perfected it. So um, just a smart guy and uh, what a, an amazing story uh, to listen to him talk about Soviet Union and saying that he may never see his parents again. And he was 19 years old and I'm going, wow, wow that's unbelievable. Like we couldn't, couldn't do this and ended up things working out for him. He was the first guy to defect and hearing the story how they Don Luce smuggled him out of Germany and at the Autobahn driving 200 miles an hour to get out of the country and, and get him over here. So what, what a decision to make at that age. It's incredible. I can't imagine dealing with that and then trying to play hockey also, but um, you know, never seen his parents again, it really got me. I go, Oh man, wow, what, what a story. And, and uh, um you know, he had a great career and uh, super good guy, super, super talented uh, and honored to have that guy, you know, to watch him every night was awesome. 
Doug, one question that I actually had to, uh, you know, jumping ahead to your current role, of course, with uh, the Victoria Royals of the of the WHL, you actually, you know, from time to time see, uh, you know, the top Sabres prospects right now, Dylan Cousins, who of course plays for Lethbridge. Uh, you know, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on, you know, seeing him and, you know, how you think that his game is going to translate to, you know, the NHL. Yeah, he's a great player. Uh, he He's a big guy, big centerman. I uh, can... Uh, put the puck in the net. Very, very good two-way player. Can also, you know, I think pretty sure he kills some penalties for him. We only see them a couple times, but uh, the times that I did see him really, really stood out. And, um, you know, this league is full of young guys that have, you know, have a dream of going. And, and there's a few guys that, uh, you know, over the years I've been coaching, there was one guy that I went, wow, this guy's going to play. And that was uh, Barzell. On the Islanders. Oh, wow. So, so definitely uh, there's, there's always these one or two guys that stand out and, you know, cousin definitely stood out for me for sure at, uh, that, that he definitely has the potential to step into the league. So uh, I think you got a good one there and hopefully he gets in the lineup maybe next year, the year, the year after. Absolutely. Uh, and actually I one other question too, that I had for you. So with you coming back, uh, you know, for nineties night and everything, I mean, do you, I'm, I'm assuming you probably don't get, the chance to, you know, come back to Buffalo often. So, you know, I, did you get a chance to kind of check out the city a bit? I'm sure it's, it's changed quite a bit. Um, it especially has, you know, over the past like 10 years or so. So I was just curious your thoughts of like the city and everything when you uh, had the opportunity to come back and visit. Yeah, definitely changed. Uh, um, I came in uh, to play the corporate challenge in, in uh, Buffalo maybe five or six years ago. And, and uh, I hadn't been back in, 10, 12 years, and obviously the old rink was gone, and the new rink was there, and I just went, wow, it's so impressive, beautiful facility there. The ownership did a great job of, uh, you know, putting the money into this team, and the downtown area sure changed. They said, oh, the odd used to be right over there. Yeah, now it's gone. So, yeah, yeah, I didn't get much chance. We were in and out so fast that didn't get a chance to look around a lot. Um, I still still talk to my neighbors that uh, we live there, years ago so we uh met up with them in arizona last year just to say hi and their kids are growing up and have kids now which is really scary and uh <laughs> um, we used to we talked every christmas we always talk to each other say hi how you doing and we had great neighbors i met some super people there our little neighborhood we had a we had a really good setup and uh yeah i didn't get much chance to look around i'll have to get back and hopefully uh, look around a bit more. I'm, I'm trying to get out to the golf tournament, Sabres golf tournament, but it's right at the start of our season. So having trouble connecting there and uh, hopefully one day I'll get out and get to look around for a few days and go back and uh, see the old stomping grounds for sure. So, and while you were here too, um, it was also kind of coincided with the bills kind of rise back then with making four straight Super Bowls and all that. And these days you see now that the Pagoulas own both teams, you see, a lot of Bills players at Sabres games, Sabres player players at Bills games, a lot of kind of camaraderie between the two teams. Was there any of that uh, back when you were here? Yeah, there was, yeah. Um, the Rob Ray was uh, good friends. Jim Kelly used to invite us to his house all the time. We went a couple of times, but uh, he had a party after the, every game, and uh, his house was just like a bar, his basement. So he had, a, he had everybody he invited us all the time. A couple of times we said no. Rob Ray ended up meeting uh, a couple of guys. Uh, Parker, I think, was the centerman. Uh, was it Parker or Hall? I can't remember. He used to come, and he loved hockey. He loved to watch Rob fight. So Rob would look at him in the stands a few times when he was beating up guys, and they'd give him the <laughs> thumbs up. And he tried to put on the gear one time, and, 
And uh, he says, how the heck do you guys do this? <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't skate, but he wanted to try. And he was out there giving her. And uh, we had one other guy, Tasker, came out. And he, he put the gear on, and he wouldn't even go out and try it. He goes, how do you guys skate in this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely the, the was back and forth with those guys. And, you know, I was a player rep back then. So I used to talk to a few guys on their team that about, uh, you know, player negotiations and all that stuff. And yeah, they had a great team every year. They were Super Bowl bound for sure with those guys. And I'll never forget the, the Nord, the Norwood kick. People were standing on tables. We were at Ooh. the bar. We're going to win. And then he missed it. And we just went, oh, my God. And this place just emptied. I've never seen that. That, that was incredible, but every, they were great teams, you know, you know, uh, had some great players and we went to a few games, we'd rent a bus and uh, have hot dogs and burgers and we'd play football in the parking lot and we'd go to the games and uh, we'd always make that a team function. So it was always fun to guys get together. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a great run there. Hopefully they can get back. They had a great year last year. We were, I was there when they in the playoff game. So uh, it was Oh, cool. It's almost had it. It was close. So uh, yeah. it was a tough one, but it uh, looks like the future is pretty bright. So that's great. Well, Doug, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. And, you know, uh, if you'd ever uh, be interested, we'd love to have you back on again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Let me know. Um, as of right now, i got lots of time. So what's <laughs> going on right now? So. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted for sure. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Well, once again, everybody, that is Doug Bodger. Doug, thank you again so much. Sabres defenseman from 88-89 uh, through the 95-96 season, fourth leading scorer amongst defensemen. That was an excellent conversation. We are just so happy to have him on. Uh, so we're looking like we're going to be wrapping up here. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to check us out wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever it is, we're there. Taylor, any last thoughts? No, it was fun. It was a good time. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. We will, uh, we will talk to you all next week. Signing off. This is blue and gold. Make Dali. Make Dali.